Philippians chapter 3 as we continue in our study in the book of Philippians. We're in sermon number 8. Sermon number 8, and we've just kicked off into chapter 3. So let's read chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. As we have switched, you know, the first chapter, we looked at the importance of a single mind. And then in chapter 2, we looked at the importance of a submissive mind. We looked at the examples of Jesus, Timothy, Epaphroditus. And now in chapter 3, we look at the importance of a spiritual mind. Chapter 3 is pretty in-depth, and we're just going to skim the surface tonight. There is so much in these verses here Paul shares with us. We're just going to skim the surface. But uh, let's look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh uh, more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, which is in the law blameless. This is Paul's testimony before he was saved. And we'll look at all that. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung or waste that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, probably my favorite verse in this, in this book, that I may know him and the power of resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. We'll stop right there. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for another opportunity to be here, Lord, this evening. We know there are some that are out that are sick and not able to make it. We ask you to touch them. Help us, Lord, as we look for just a few minutes here in this chapter. What a great chapter it is here in this great book. Help us, Lord, to be true to the text, Lord, and just help us to uh, always put you first in all we do. I pray that every sermon we preach people see you and not me. Bless in this time. Bless all the churches as they gather tonight around all of our preacher brothers, missionary friends. Bless them tonight. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> when you look at this chapter, verses 1 through 11, you can see Paul's past. You can call that the accountant, where he says, I count. Verses 12 through 16, you can look at Paul's present. We'll see that next week, Lord willing. Uh, the athlete, he says, I press. And then in 17 through 21, we see Paul's future, the, the alien, I guess you could call it, where he says, I look and a new vision. And we'll look at all that. But Paul's describing a spiritual mind in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 3. Let's jump ahead and read those verses. 
in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 3, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, whose mind earthly things. In verse 20, he says, For our conversation, our manner of life, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this important, preacher? Because Philippi, if you remember, was a colony of Rome. They did things like the Romans did. They acted like the Romans acted. They talked like the Romans talked. So Paul is using that and saying, hey guys, you're now saved. You're now citizens of heaven. We ought to act like citizens of heaven. That's a good test for any Christian. When you're saved, you're no longer a part of this world. We are a citizen of a much greater world. Are y'all with me tonight? Some of you, good. As long as I got some of you, I'll be all right. It's easy to get wrapped up in things of this world. Back in verse 7, Paul said, What things were gained to me, I counted them loss for Christ. The key word in verses 7 and 8 is count. That means evaluate, assess. We need to take time to count or assess our lives. We are... uh, easy to count and assess somebody else's life count and assess our life it wouldn't hurt every once in a while if we took a pad a pen and wrote down things that are wrong with yourself or myself I'm not going to throw out names but for me things that are wrong with Kevin that I need to fix that I need to ask God to help me that's assessing the situation we must take time to do that seriously think about those those things Um, and as we move on you see Paul here you got something else about Paul and I'm really feeling maybe this fall when we start back on Sunday nights doing a study on the Apostle Paul There's so much that you need to know about Paul that you may not know, you may know, you probably know more than I do, that helps us when we read these books that he wrote, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there's so much about him that will help us. But one thing about Paul, he had enough morality to keep him out of trouble, but not enough righteousness to get into heaven because he wasn't saved. You see, he was religious. He was a religious man. In Acts, when he is doing all of these things and killing, throwing people out of church, that was something he was doing and he thought he was doing right because he was doing the religious things. Jesus Christ saved his soul. He began to do other things. I want to give you two points tonight. I'm going to try not to bore you. Some of you are on the brink now. Y'all hang on with me. Alice, if your mama falls asleep, just elbow her, okay? All right, thank you. Appreciate that. Two thoughts. The first thought, works righteousness. Paul starts off finally. He's not saying I'm closing. He's introducing a new section. Paul is warning the believers here in Philippi of the dogs, the workers of evil. And you know, folks, they're in every single church. People that have no desire to serve God, their desire is to make havoc of the church. 
Paul is warning the church of Philippi. Paul is telling them to be ready, to be on their toes. You see, in the book of Acts, and if we do a study in the life of Paul, it's basically a study in the book of Acts. Basically, that's what it will be. But in the first seven chapters of Acts, it deals only with the Jewish believers. In Acts 8, it takes a different turn and went to the Samaritans. And then in Acts 10, Peter went to the Gentiles. Let me read you Acts 9.15. This is about Paul when, he, when Saul was saved. Acts 9.15 says, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. Now, as long as, as Paul was serving the Lord, his mission was the Gentiles. In Acts 13, 1 through 3, we see that Paul followed the example of Peter on his first journey. And the Jewish believers were in an uproar. And all these things happened. But Paul was serving the Lord through the Gentiles. The people here were not content. Listen to what Philippians 3, 1 through 3 says again. Finally, my brethren... Rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision for the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus have no confidence in the flesh. Now, he uses some terms there in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Dogs. Dogs. That is not a nice word. They were not using nice words. The Orthodox Jew considered the Gentiles dogs. They considered them dogs. And in those days, they didn't have the little frou-frou dogs. In fact, their dogs didn't stay in the house or sleep in the bed or lay on the couch like our hound dogs doing right now. Dogs were strays. Dogs were after the garbage, after the crumbs. They were beggars. And this is what they were being referred to. Then he uses the term evil workers. These men taught that the sinner was saved by faith plus good works, especially works of the law. Oh, listen to me. You know what knocks down somebody that wants to talk about the law all the time? Are y'all with me tonight? Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace... Are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. When somebody tells you it's your works that get you into heaven, take them to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I had a guy one time. Y'all know I've got a story. And he was telling me all of this stuff about working your way to heaven. And I said, explain Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 to me. I can't. I said, really? I said, I can. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. If you're trying to work your way to heaven, you're in bad shape. Y'all with me tonight? It's not about work. A Christian's good works are the results of faith, not the basis of our salvation. So Paul's dealing with all these things. He uses the word concision, and that's referring to circumcision, which the Jews believed were essential. But it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And Paul, in verse 3, began to describe the true Christian as he starts out. First of all, he worships God in the Spirit. A true Christian worships God in the Spirit. 
When we're trying to work our way to heaven, you know what's happening? We're in the flesh. When you're saved, you will want to work for the Lord. When you're saved, you will have a desire to serve Jesus Christ. He also says that uh, he boasts in Jesus Christ. People that depend on religion are usually boasting about what they've done. When I hear preachers, and I listen to a lot of preachers, when I hear preachers saying, I did this, and I did that, I just turned it off. I can't do anything without Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we can do this or that. Y'all, y'all understand the difference? If you ever hear a preacher use a bunch of eyes, turn him off. Because it's not about me, it's about him. Amen? A Christian's good works are the result of faith, not basis of salvation. I say that again. Boast not in ourselves. A, a Christian, the only thing a Christian can boast about is Jesus Christ. How many times did I hear my pastor say, the only thing I can boast about is Jesus Christ. And that's the exact same thing that I can say tonight. The example in verses 4 through 6. Paul knew all too well he was talking about. Now, when you look at verses 4 through 6, this is Paul telling us who he is. And I'm going to kind of try to share with you what he means in these verses. Paul's relationship to the nation. It says he was born a Hebrew. And I'm going to, I'm going to stay close to my notes. I apologize if I don't make eye contact because I need to, you to hear this. He was born into a Hebrew family. The Jews would understand his reference to the tribe of Benjamin. It goes way back to Jacob's sons. Jacob's favorite sons were Benjamin and Joseph, both born from Rachel, who he loved very much. So he was a true blue Jew. That rhymes, huh? Imagine that. Paul's relationship to the law, it says there in verse number uh, four, as touching the law, a Pharisee, actually verse number five, touching the law, a Pharisee, a Pharisee was the highest point for a religious person. The highest point they could get. You see, Paul's goal when he was serving he thought was serving God and doing all the things. His goal was to be on the Sanhedrin. That was the court. And let me tell you something. Paul was a very intelligent man. He knew religion. He knew all of those things. But he didn't know Jesus Christ till Acts 9. But he was, he was uh, a Pharisee. He held to the doctrine, the religious doctrine. But then we see Paul's relationship to Israel's enemies. It's not enough to believe the truth. A man must oppose lies. Paul defended the faith by persecuting the followers of Jesus Christ. You can go to Acts chapter 7 and you can see the stoning of Stephen. And it says the clothes were handed to a young man named Saul. He sat right there and watched them stone Stephen. He did a lot of terrible things. But one day, walking down Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9, he was going to do more deeds. And Jesus, and my mama would say, had had enough and knocked him to the ground. He said, Saul, Saul. That's kind of like Alice, Alice. 
Mama's talking to you. Maggie, Maggie. Mama's talking to you. I got it a lot, so I know what it's meant. In our house, it was Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. That's somebody's trying to get your attention. Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why? Saul was knocked to the ground. And it was there at that point he realized that he needed to make a change in his life. And he looked at himself and he considered himself righteous. Before then, he considered himself righteous. Works righteousness. And number two, faith righteousness. 7 through 11. When Paul met Jesus Christ, he trusted fully in Jesus Christ. Trusted him fully. Fully. In this, I see Paul's losses. In verse 7 of chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. You see, I've already said this, but he had a great reputation as a scholar. He was a a tremendous uh, teacher, a great reputation as a religious leader. He boasted of this proud Jewish heritage. But when he measured these treasures against Jesus Christ and all Jesus had to offer, he realized they don't amount to anything. I know a lot of people, you know a lot of people that feel their accomplishments amount. I I read preachers, Facebook posts or Twitters, and it's amazing. A church, maybe 200, and they had 300 saved. A church that holds about 200, they had 1,900 uh, rededications. A church that has 200 and they got like $3 million in the offering. What? Listen. It's amazing what people will put on Facebook or Twitter or anything else. Or it's amazing when a preacher walks up to you and says, yeah, I remember that church preacher. I was there and, and if it wasn't for me, she'd have sunk to the bottom. We got her out of debt. One, church, one, one preacher told me that at a church I pastored down in North Georgia. And I said, well, all I know is when you left and I came, we were $103,000 in debt. So you didn't leave us or you didn't take us out of debt. You put us into debt. Y'all hearing me tonight? Some people like to boast of themselves. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying it doesn't matter. His own treasures brought glory to him. They didn't bring glory to God. All the things that he thought were special, were important, were losses. Now look at Paul's gains. Look at verses 8. Verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Righteousness was the great goal of Paul. Faith righteousness. When Paul trusted Christ, he lost his self. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost everything. Why? So that he could serve Christ. When Paul was saved, he saw God put Christ's righteousness on his account. More than that, Paul discovered that his sins... His sins were forgiven. 
Many people today refuse to abandon their selves. You can't be selfish and be a born again child of God. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. We are to be selfless. We are to be selfless. And that bothers a lot of people. Bothers a lot of people. When he became a Christian, it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. Look in verses 10 and 11. Actually, verse 9. I don't want to. I love verse 9. It says, and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. There's a lot of preachers ought to read that verse right there. Amen. A lot of preachers ought to read that verse. I want to be found in him. I take no credit for the four that joined our church Sunday. God sent them here. I kind of take credit for the one, but I still didn't know they were joining. So, but I don't take any credit for that. That was God saying, hey, y'all need to be a part of that church. Are y'all hearing me? Paul was saying these things. But look in verse 10. Now I love this verse. That I may know him. Stop right there. That I may know him. Paul wanted to experience Christ personally. I wonder how many people that say they're saved and say they're Christians have ever experienced Christ in a personal way. I wonder how many people have, have sat in a waiting room, your loved ones in the back, you don't know if they're going to live or die, and you're praying, and at that very moment, you feel the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way. Most of us have felt that. Most of us have sat there and felt that. How many of you have, have just felt the presence of the Lord Jesus? That's a personal experience. And Paul said that I may know him. As Paul walked with the Lord, he prayed, he obeyed, he sought to glorify God in everything he did. Paul had lived under the law. Paul had lived by a set of rules. Paul had done all of those things. He said, I count them as loss. I count them as dung. I count them as waste for Jesus Christ. Listen to me. I say this a lot because it is what it is. There's a lot of churches. There's a lot of pastors that live by the law. Y'all hearing me? It's by the grace of God. Law is there. It's there for us to learn. It's there for us to understand. But Paul is saying, I want to experience him. I don't want a list of rules. Tell me what I can and can't do. I don't want that. I want to know Jesus in a personal way. And when I'm knowing him, when I know him in a personal way, when I get a hold of God and God gets a hold of me, those rules, they won't matter anymore because I'm living that. Y'all hearing me? Those Ten Commandments, they're there for a reason. They're there for us to look at. They're there for us to try to understand something, though. We can't live by the law. We are not able. Y'all hearing me? There's not one person in here tonight that's able to live by the law. But it's by the grace of God. Y'all, y'all, uh, y'all getting that? That I may know him. 
Paul is considering Jesus as a friend. He considers him his master, a constant companion. But then he wanted a personal experience that I may know him. Then he wanted a powerful experience. He said, and the power of his resurrection. If we ever lose sight, I said it Sunday, I'll say it again. If we ever lose sight of the importance of the third day, we're in trouble. If we ever lose the importance of the fact that Jesus Christ went all the way for us, he died and he rose again, we are in trouble. The Apostle Paul wanted to experience a, something powerful. But then he goes on to say, and the fellowship of his sufferings. It was a painful experience. Paul knew what it was like to suffer. And Acts 9, 16 says this. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Listen, we are going to come under attack of the enemy. It's going to happen. I've got a, we've got some friends that, uh, he's an evangelist and he'll be with us preaching a revival in March of next year. But he is under heavy attack right now. Every time he turns around, something tears up. Every time he turns around, somebody's getting sick. And he's under attack. That means God's got plans. God's going to do something spectacular. And the devil's attacking him. Let me tell you something. The more we grow here, the more God shows up in great ways. You better look out. Satan will be right around the corner. And he will take church members and use them. Y'all hearing me? Don't be that person. I've, I've dealt with them. In my ministry, I've dealt with them. I've seen Satan use someone to try to destroy the church. I've seen it. And listen, I'm telling you, the more God does at Middle Cross, Satan's not just going to run away and hide. No, he'll be right here amongst us. That's why we as a church have to be together in unity, together with unity in Christ and put him first and he will take care of us. We see the words there, the last part of chapter or verse 10, being made conformable unto his death. And that's a practical experience. Paul lived for Christ and he died to self. Paul lived for Christ. He died to self. He took up his cross daily and he walked with the Lord. Paul was walking in the, the newness of his life. Listen, he would wind up gaining more than he lost. He would wind up gaining a whole lot more than he lost. And the gains that he did were thrilling. And all this goes to the word for this book, joy. Most of your people that are religious, they're not joyful. They're not joyful. I've talked to people and they'll say, oh, I, I, I can't. I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this. You're right, you can't and I can't. But through the Holy Spirit, we can. Y'all hearing me? There is no way any of us can live up to the scriptures. There's no way in our own flesh. That's why Paul said, that's why you need to read it, verse 10, that you may know him. You, not just on Sunday when the preacher's preaching, not just on Wednesday, but every single day of your life, you need to understand and say, Lord, I want a better knowledge of you today than I had yesterday.
deeper into your word, deeper into who you are. So joy, we're talking about joy. Religious people don't have joy. Somebody that's bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, saved, we should have joy. We should have joy. And remember, the devil didn't give it to you and the devil can't take it away. Amen? Hello? All right. Woo. Y'all, you either had too much of a nap today or you didn't get one. I'm not sure. Or maybe you're hungry. Your belly's growling? I've heard some. Thank you, you are. Joy. I hope and pray that every day of your life, you open up your day and you pray and you say, Lord, today, I want to know you more. I want to know you more and I want people to see you through my life. Because people aren't going to come in to church. Most of the time, they're just not going to walk in. They're going to be invited by somebody. They're going to be invited by somebody. And then when you invite them, they're going to, some of them will try to say, well, so-and-so go there. Yeah, oh, that so-and-so's a hypocrite. You go to Walmart, bunch of hypocrites in there. Y'all hearing me? But we need to live a life pleasing unto the Lord. And the only way we can do that is by every single day of our life praying and saying, Lord, I want to know you more.